This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast surrounding issues regarding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. And today on Health Dose, we're going to talk about an alternative approach to hip replacement that could get you on your feet faster. Ben Main is an orthopedic surgeon focused on the diagnosis and treatment of disorders of the knee, hip, and shoulder joints. We asked Dr. Main why someone might need a hip replacement. Well, there are a number of reasons why people have hip pain. Typically, hip replacements are done for osteoarthritis, sometimes rheumatoid arthritis, and there's another condition called avascular necrosis, where something happens to the blood supply to the ball of the hip joint. Any of those can lead to deterioration of the hip joint, chronic pain, and then ultimately hip replacement surgery. Now, you mentioned two different kinds of arthritis. Can you compare and contrast osteoarthritis with rheumatoid arthritis? Well, osteoarthritis is basically just wear and tear, kind of like the tread on your tires wearing down. And once the tread's gone, then in the hip, it's bone on bone when the cartilage is gone. Mm -hmm. Rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory disease where there is actually a process going on inside the joint where the cells are attacking the joint. It's an autoimmune disease, so it's your own immune system attacking the cartilage and the bone. There's much better treatment these days for rheumatoid arthritis. Some of the biologic drugs, the expensive ones, the ones that are advertised on television, they really do work well, and I don't see anywhere near as many patients with bad rheumatoid arthritis as I used to see. And then you mentioned avascular necrosis. What does that mean, and how does that present itself? Well, that's a situation where something happens to the blood supply to the bone in the ball of the hip joint. There are a number of causes for it. Much of the time, we don't really know why it happens, but it can happen to people that take steroids over a longer period of time. It can happen after a fracture across the neck of the femur where something happens to the blood supply. Sometimes it happens in people that drink a lot of alcohol. You can also see it in patients that have had radiation therapy or chemotherapy, especially radiation to the hip region. Something happens to the blood supply, and then basically the top of the ball of the hip joint collapses. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to a problem similar to osteoarthritis with respect to pain and disability. Avascular meaning lack of blood, necrosis meaning death? Exactly. Death of bone related to loss of blood supply. What will people experiencing problems with their hip feel? What kind of symptoms do they come to you with? Pain in the groin, typically. I mean, most people come in and kind of hold their lower back and say, my hip hurts, but your hip joint is actually in your groin where the hip rotates from. And if you don't have groin pain, then you probably don't have a hip joint problem. So it's groin pain, and then stiffness is very common. People will notice that they can't put their shoes and socks on any longer because they can't bend their hip far enough. They have pain with walking, pain with stair climbing, and eventually just pain at rest. And once it gets bad, an arthritic hip is very debilitating, often more debilitating than a bad knee. Certainly replacing a hip is not the first thing that we try to do for a person with hip problems. Are, are, is there a line of treatment that involves trying to strengthen the muscles around the hip first? Yeah, typically, the first line of treatment for an arthritic hip would be physical therapy or a stretching and strengthening exercise program. If you can improve the rotation, then people will tend to have less disability and tolerate their arthritic hip better. If it gets stiffer and weaker, they will clearly get worse. Mm-hmm. Anti-inflammatory medicine can be helpful if people can tolerate that. Just plain old Tylenol can be helpful. Sometimes we'll do a steroid injection into the hip, although that has to be done with an x-ray machine or an ultrasound. And that can give pain relief for a while. But when those things fail, 
and the x-rays show that the arthritis is advanced, that's when we talk about replacing the hip joint. Now, you're working with something that's a little different than the average hip replacement called an anterior hip replacement. What is that? How does it differ from what we traditionally think of as hip replacement surgery? Well, there's basically three ways to approach the hip. Actually, there's more than that, but uh, three common ways. There's a posterior approach where you go in from the back. There's an anterolateral approach where you kind of go in from the side with the patient up on their side, but you still approach the joint from the front. And then the anterior approach is where somebody's laying flat on their back and you make an incision right in the front of the hip. It's called the direct anterior approach. That's been around for a long time in Europe and actually for a long time in some parts of the country, but it's relatively new around here and really in most places around the country. The difference is that when you go in posteriorly or laterally, you end up having to take down some muscles and tendons to get into the joint, and then those subsequently need to be repaired afterward. Whereas when you do a direct anterior approach, you go in from the front in between a couple of muscles, so you don't really have to cut any of the muscle or their tendons, which can lead to a faster recovery. There's, I guess, less healing time. Mm-hmm. Patients will often have a normal gait pattern faster. Well, they often have less pain after the surgery. I was trained with the anterolateral approach, and I've done hundreds of hips that way, and it works great. And if you look at people at the end of six months or the end of a year, there really isn't that much of a difference. But initially, within the first couple of weeks after surgery, or the first few weeks anyway, patients often are able to get rid of a walker or get rid of a cane faster and just can return to a more normal walking. Mm. They still have pain, and they still will have some muscle weakness and still need some rehabilitation. But I can often do it through a smaller incision. And if you just look at patients three or four weeks out, they're often well ahead of where they were with the other approach. When we're talking about hip surgery, are we talking about removal of the ball or the socket or both? You remove the ball, and then we use these reamers to deepen the socket and make it hemispherical so that... You smooth it out. Yeah, and basically make it such that you can put this hemispherical metal piece in there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we gauge what size things are going to be is with these, well, we template x-rays ahead of time and then we use the reamers interoperatively to basically, I guess you deepen the socket typically to some degree and then impact this socket component into place. Then there's a plastic liner typically that goes into that. And then there's a stem that goes down the shaft of the femur with an artificial ball attached to it. Right. So you remove the ball and resurface basically the socket side and then replace the ball with an artificial one. But your point from coming from the back or the side, you have to remove the attachment for some of the tendons and some of the soft tissue first to get to it. And this other approach eliminates that need. That's correct. Yeah. To get to the point where you cut the neck of the femur and remove the head of the femur or remove the ball, you have to go through muscles and tendons with the other approaches to get there. Mm -hmm. And typically you're taking down something and then repairing it at the end and it'll heal. Mm -hmm. But the anterior approach allows you to go in there without having to really cut muscles or tendons at all. Who is the typical candidate for this kind of hip replacement and who might not be a candidate? Well, theoretically, anybody is a candidate for it, and there are places around the country where every single hip surgery they do, they do from the front. For me, I find it hard to do on people who have really stiff hips. It's hard to do on people who are really heavy, especially with a really large belly, because it's difficult to get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. 
And it's also hard to do on somebody who has a very large muscular thigh, just because it can be hard to get the muscles retracted to get in there and do what you need to do. But that may be difficult regardless what position they're in if they have muscular thighs. And that is true. Younger patients, patients who are more active, it's easier to do on people who are thin or closer to an ideal body weight. It can be challenging to do on people with advanced osteoporosis, although it's hard to do it anyway if the bone is really soft. Mm -hmm. But frequently we're doing younger patients who are thinner, more active, and they really do recover faster. Is age a consideration when we're determining what kind of surgery you might perform on someone's hip? Well, we try not to do joint replacements on young people just because the older you are when you have it done, the more likely it is to last the rest of your life. I mean, it's I guess I I look at it, a total joint, kind of like a set of tires on your car. And if somebody told you that, you know, you can never uh, get another set of tires, you might drive your car a little differently. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to be 35 years old, have your hip replaced, beat the daylights out of it, and then need to have it redone in 15 years. I mean, I'd like to think that they will last 20 plus years, and they often do. But still, it's better to be older when you have it done. The younger people are often patients with avascular necrosis for whatever reason, following trauma, or radiation therapy. The youngest people I've ever done total joints on are people that have had like radiation for a lymphoma or something, and then their femoral heads die. And they have no choice whether or not to have it done. Right. They're miserable. And the other option, I guess, is a hip fusion, which is what they used to do 50 years ago. And I mean, there aren't very many of those being done anymore. But once you do a hip replacement, there's no turning back. I mean, you're stuck with further arthroplasty options down the road. So, uh, you know, it is a last resort, but it's such a good operation these days that if somebody really is miserable and they've tried to therapy and they've taken the medication and they're to the point where their activities are severely limited, we're doing them on younger and younger people. And I don't know if that's because more younger people are developing arthritis than uh, there used to be, or it's just that our threshold has changed, or maybe more people are just aware that it's an option. I don't know. But I do lots of hip replacements on people in their 50s and 60s. I do hip replacements on people in their 80s and sometimes their 90s. And a, a bad arthritic hip is often so debilitating that we will consider doing them on really elderly folks as long as they're in reasonable shape. And I've had people come in that were to the point where they're going to wind up in a nursing home because they can't get themselves in and out of bed and up and around and you do a one-hour operation. Obviously, there's some risk there, but most of the time they come back and see me six weeks later and they're cruising around and they say, see you later, doc. You know, it's it's pretty cool. What are the benefits of the anterior approach versus a traditional hip replacement overall? Again, the real advantage is the quicker recovery. There aren't as many restrictions after the surgery. Typically, if you have a posterior approach or an anterolateral approach, there are some restrictions with respect to bending and things like that, that we don't worry about quite so much since we don't have these tendons that need to heal. Mm-hmm full weight bearing right away, although most total hips are. But really the the main advantage is just the fact that people do recover faster, they tend to have less pain, and they tend to get back to a normal gait pattern quicker and again get rid of their walker and their cane faster. That is orthopedic surgeon Dr. Ben Main. To learn more about MidMichigan Health specialized orthopedic care, visit midmichigan.org slash orthopedics. And as always, if you have health concerns, consult your health care provider. If you need help finding a healthcare provider, go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.